right. So we are in part three of a series called Timeless. And if this is your, your first time with us, uh, here's how we kind of do things. We kind of get, uh, we preach in series that tend to be three to four parts. And what it's really like, it's like one really long message that we kind of divide up into sections. So you're at, at the tail end. This is kind of the conclusion of our message. If you'd like to uh, see how we got here, uh, the rest, uh, parts one and two are online. Just head over to journeymain.com and you can keep up with uh, this series. It's been a really kind of interesting series. The first message I was really excited about, and I thought it went really great. Last week's message was a little, a little tough, a little tense. This week's message I'm, I'm actually really encouraged about because it's kind of the story of my life, but we're going to get into that in a moment. Uh, we started talking about this idea called timeless uh, because as, as we look out into our world, what we realized is that our, our world is, is really trendy, isn't it? That our world is just kind of full of trends that, you know, we talk about Twitter and what's trending on Twitter or Facebook and that there's technology trends. As a matter of fact, we showed you the very first cell phone. Do you remember this? That's the very first cell phone. Some of you guys remember when that cell phone was hot. Some of you guys remember when Saved by the, Fe- the Bell was a hot show. Some of you still think Zach Morris is hot. <clears throat> We're not going to go there today, but you might want to set up a meeting with me after service. Uh, but this was, this was technology that at one point in time was like really hot technology. Everyone had to get one. And we look at it now and we think, oh, that's, that's cute. That's like, you know, the size of a football. Like n- no one has technology like that anymore. As a matter of fact, technology nowadays looks something like this, right? This is the iPhone X, the latest, greatest technology from the greatest tech company in the world. This is the one with face, rec- like face recognition. It's pretty amazing, amazing technology. But here's what's amazing about technology is that they come and go so quick, right? right? Like it's easy to look back in the past and see the things now that, that kind of faded and aren't hot, but it's really hard to see that now when you're living in it. And what's really amazing is that at some point in time in the not so distant future, maybe in just a few months and a few years, you'll have the same reaction to this phone as you did when I showed you this phone because that's how technologies work. They kind of come and they go and, and what was once hot is now not. And it's not just, just technology trends, it's, it's all kind of trends, right? There's fashion trends, there's, there's food trends, there's uh, interior decorating trends. Like, we just live in this kind of trendy world. And this series isn't to demonize trends. We're not trying to, to point the finger at trends and say, you shouldn't be trending. Honestly, I'm happy some of you kept up with some fashion trends, some of you kept up with some hair trends, that's great. Some of you need to keep up with some hair trends. Um, but we're not here to demonize trends. That's not the point of this at all. What we're trying to do is point our direction to this, that in a trendy world, In a trendy world, the best things in life are timeless. That there are actually some things in life that will look good on you forever. That there are some things in life that actually start to increase in value. Not just retain, but increase in value instead of decrease in value. That in a world where we can get so caught up in what's trending and what's not trending, that the best things in life perhaps aren't what's trending, but are the things that will last the test of time, the things that are timeless. And we start our discussion off by talking about the most timeless thing I can think of, and that's eternity. Like what, what there, that is kind of the definition of timeless, right? Eternity. And we talked about, it's particularly about heaven. And we set out to answer this question, what is heaven going to be like? Because we all have this idea of heaven, don't we? And if, if you're like me and you watch a lot of cartoons growing up, your idea of heaven is probably like, like you just think like looking up and we're going to be sitting on clouds and white robes in this temperature controlled environment, playing harps, singing songs to God, eating grapes. And, and it just, it sounds, I mean, if we're honest about it, and this is coming from a pastor, if we're honest about it, it sounds kind of boring. Right? But when we really understand what heaven is, when we understand what heaven is going to look like, we're not going to look up. We're going to look around, and we're going to see some amazing people and some amazing things because God promised to come and build a new heaven and a new earth right here. And when we get this, this whole kind of picture of what heaven is, and we realize our value in it, that heaven isn't like some off distant place that's going to affect our future someday, but it has the ability to affect us right now, and not just us, but the people around us, 
what we uncover is that when we see heaven this way, every day matters. Right? And then I gave you a challenge to do something, to have an interaction, to have a conversation, to make a decision that you believe will show up in eternity. Because we have this incredible value as humans to do things right now that will affect someone else's eternity. What we do now echoes throughout all of eternity. Last week, we, we, had a, we continued our conversation into a really interesting place. We talked about the best financial advice ever given. And that's not advice given from me. I'm not a financial guru. As a matter of fact, as I kind of tell you my story today, you'll see you don't want to follow my financial history. This advice was given from God, and it's the best financial advice ever given. And what's interesting is we dove into this scripture. We began to see that God, at the same time, he gives us this incredible command and this incredible invitation. As a matter of fact, it's the only time he ever gave that invitation. He said, I don't want you to rob me anymore. I want you to bring your tithes and offerings to me. That's, that's the command. Bring your tithes and offerings to me. And then he says this, and here's our invitation. Test me in this. Test me and see if I won't do what I promised to do. Test me and see if I won't, and this is his words, open the floodgates of heaven and pour out a blessing upon you. You see, the truth is this. God wants to bless you. What he realizes, though, is that to get you where he wants you to, to, to get a relationship with you, because that's what this is all about. That's why he sent Jesus. That's why he established the church. That's why the church is still going thousands of years later, is that to, to get your heart and get a relationship with you, first, he needs to know that you trust him with your money, because the chief contender for your heart isn't your money. So when God's talking about tithing, really, God doesn't need your money. The church doesn't need your money. The church doesn't want your money. What God wants is your heart, but he knows they're connected. And he knows that if you're willing to trust him with your money, then he has your heart. And that's what he's been after all along. So in that same vein as God giving you that challenge to test you, last week I presented a challenge to you. And that challenge, we call it the 90-day tithe challenge. It goes kind of like this. For the next 90 days, I want you to take God at his word. I want you to test him. I want you to tithe. And you can tithe anywhere. If you're not comfortable tithing here, tithe to another church. But I presented the challenge for you to tithe. And that if you were to tithe here, that at the end of 90 days, if you thought this is a scam, this is a waste of time, I want my money back, I want you to email me. And our guarantee to you is to give you all of your money back. No questions asked. We're not going to show up at your house. We're not going to ask questions. We're going to give all of your money back to you and say, thank you so much for taking God at his word. And here's why we do this. I don't know if, if you know this. Churches don't do this. I mean, churches have kind of a bad reputation of wanting to take your money. What kind of church wants to give money away? We would gladly do it because we believe what God said, that he wants to bless you, that he wants to pour out a blessing on your life so awesome and so significant that it would actually change the way you view money, change the way you make decisions, change the way your heart kind of functions. So we presented this challenge to you, that if at any point over the next 90 days you were willing to test God at this and begin tithing, and at the end of that period you felt like this doesn't work, email me. And my email's all over. Check your, your worship guide, check the cards in the back, ask me. We'll happily give it to you. Email me and we'll gladly give you your money back because we are not here to take something from you, as I said last week. We want something for you. Now, this week, we're going to continue our conversation, but before we, we dive into that, that side of the conversation, before we dive into what we're going to talk about today, um, I, I, we gave a disclaimer that, that last week. This week, I want to give another one. Um, I know we've been talking more about money than we typically ever do. We're, only, we're kind of a new church. We're a startup. We're not even two years old, and we've almost never talked about money, but the past few weeks, we've been talking about it a lot, and that might make some of you uncomfortable. So here's what I, I want to do for you. I want to open our books for you. If you have any questions, if you want to know where's my money going, we tithe, but we're not really sure, what are you guys spending it on? You're talking a lot about money, and it feels like you just want my money. 
Nothing could be further from the truth. If you'd like to know how we spend our money at any point after this service or any service, you come and talk to me and I will gladly show you our budget. I will gladly show you where it's going. We are an open book. We want you to trust us because ultimately we want you to trust God. And we know that your heart and your money are connected. And the more you can trust God, the more you can give him your heart, the happier you'll be in the end. So at the end of service, if you'd like to know, I mean it with all sincerity. We won't feel bad. I, don't see, I hope some of you ask me. I'd love to talk to you about what we're doing, not just here, but around the world with the money that you're uh, giving to this church. So if you'd like to know, please, after service, come and talk to me, and I'd be happy to do so. This week, we're going to move into a, a, a kind of a, a different view of, of finances and talk about how this is timeless. But we're going to talk about this timeless trait that has the ability not just to affect you, but really it has the ability to affect your entire family tree. That, that some people have kind of lived, lived with something that's gone on for years, and if it wasn't you, my guess is it may have been someone in your family or somebody you know, and you've kind of seen the weight of it. You've kind of seen the destruction it can cause. We're going to look at this really interesting scripture. It's only seven words long. It's actually half a scripture, and how that like, devastatingly applies to your life and can change your life. But what we're going to talk about this week, it really does have the ability not just to change how you live and how you treat money, but it has the ability to change how everyone in your family behind you treats and lives with money. What we're going to talk about today is financial freedom. Now, when you see these words, if you were anything like me when I first heard these words when I was a little bit younger, it's like those two things don't tend to go together, do they? Really, when you, we think of finances, we don't often have glimpses of freedom and like frolicking in fields, if that's what you like to do, or like laying on a beach. Like, like when we think of finances, more often than not, it, it kind of comes with, with shackles and chains. And, you know, I'm just, I'm just working to make more money so that I can pay for the things that I never get to use because I'm working all the time to make money to pay for the things that you know, I, I never get to use. And that's just kind of how our life is. It doesn't feel really free, does it? It feels like we're just kind of in this system and we're just churning and we're working and we're working and we're working, but f for what? To buy things we don't need, to impress people we don't like? And we just kind of work and we churn, and, and, and really, our financial life doesn't feel very, feel very free. It feels a whole lot more like bondage, like we're in chains, like perhaps we've been shackled to something. And this is true for, for everyone. I, I don't know if you know this, but, but the finances across America feel a lot like bondage. The, like the, the Americans in total owe $733 billion in credit card debt. That's a lot of zeros. That, that's a lot of zeros. The average American has about $15,000 in credit card debt. And, and, and to top that off, like to make things even worse, there's these like exorbitant like interest rates that just, you know, they, it continues to go up even though you're not paying anything. You're not buying anything. And it just keeps going up and going up because there's so much interest. And, and then to make it worse, there's college students. The average college student graduates with over $37,000 in student loans. And they get a job that they can barely make ends meet. And they have almost forty grand in loans they have to pay. And it just adds to the stress, and it adds to anxiety. As a matter of fact, I was looking this up last night, and I found this incredibly, incredibly interesting. Here are some of the symptoms that go along with feeling financially stressed or financially anxious or perhaps having financial problems in your life. This is going to read more like, like you know, one of those like, new pharmaceutical drugs and all the possible side effects. Here, here's what the symptoms are. Headaches, muscle tension, upset stomach, insomnia, stress, low energy, chest pain, nervousness, shaking, frequent sickness, dry mouth, anxiety, changes in appetite or weight, exhaustion, fatigue, increased heart rate, restlessness, and sweating. I mean, that doesn't sound like something we want, right? But this is how the average American, if the statistics are right, this is how the average American, how the average college student lives. 
with that kind of anxiety, with that kind of stress, and it, it just like maxes our health and, and, it, and it pushes us to all kinds of limits. Like really living on the edge financially, it isn't exciting. It's exhausting. And, and it, it kills our marriages and it kills our families. The number one cause of divorce still today is financial problems because we're not really experiencing financial freedom. We're, we're in bondage. And it's destroying families. And, and then worse yet, this is what the example your kids have. So your kids grow up thinking this is how it is, and this is how we live, and this is how we buy, and this is how we pay. And then it just continues to destroy family after family, generation after generation. You see, so to really understand financial freedom, to really understand what, what God's kind of intentions are with your money, it really does have the ability to change your life and your entire family tree. Truly, financial freedom is timeless. Now, before we go into any further, I know anytime we talk about money in church, there's this understandable skepticism. Like, really, we're coming into church and, and, and you're going to talk about money. You kind of have this feeling that like, and we, you maybe have even heard this before, you've heard somebody say it before, well, the church just wants my money. And, and I understand that. The truth is, like, like, you've probably seen some really bad televangelists tell you to give you $100 and they'll send you some miracle oil and you just pour it on whatever you need a miracle and poof, there's a miracle. Just sounds like sounds a little weird, or you know, there are some churches that, that put a lot of pressure on giving and making sure you give what they think you need to give, and I, I get all that. But but the truth is, for for a church that's Bible believing, gospel preaching, that wants to follow Jesus, nothing could be further from the truth. And we never remark on the companies that actually do want our money. No one ever complains and says, "Sears just wants my money," Visa and Mastercard, they just Home Depot just wants my money. The truth is, they do. But in this ironic twist, the one organization that, that was been placed to not want your money, but to help you with your money, takes all the flack and all the guilt and all the, and all the blame for wanting money. You see, I, what you need to know is this, and this is where we're going to put all these disclaimers out up front, is that this church, Journey Church, does not want something from you. We want something for you. We really don't want your money. That's why I told you in the tithe challenge, if you're feeling at all uncomfortable with this, send your money somewhere else. Because it's not, it's not about making me rich. It's not about making Journey Church rich. We don't want your money. We don't want something from you. We want something for you. And we understand, and we hope you understand by the end of today, that when you can experience financial freedom, it can save your health. It can change your marriage. It can change your kids. Pressure goes away. Sleepless nights goes away. The fighting and the arguments go away. You see, we really do want something for you, not from you. As you can see, when I kind of talk about my story, I'm a living example of this. I've been on both sides. And maybe you're here and you're feeling that pressure. And you're feeling, man, I, I don't even understand. Like, I don't, I don't have any margin. There's nothing I can do to change this, gym. I, there's, there's just that overwhelming pressure. I want you to know you're not alone. I've been there. And there is help. And that's why we're here. Because we want to help you succeed with your money. We want to help you begin to shift the way you're thinking about your money. So that you don't feel like every day you're just working to get things that you never get to use. Or buying things to impress people you don't even like. Because that's not really financial freedom. God's plan for you and God's plan for your money is so much more significant than that. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at a passage of scripture. As I said before, it's a very small passage of scripture. As a matter of fact, it's half of a verse. And it's just seven words long. But these seven words, it, when they apply to your life, it, I mean, it's so like obvious as we read it. When you apply it to your life, it, it like kind of shocks you to the core a little bit. And I, I'm not saying it's hard or it's easy. It's not easy at all. It's very simple, but it's not easy. We're going to look at Proverbs, uh, I think I believe it's chapter 22. 
Proverbs was written by King Solomon. King Solomon was the son of King David. Many people believe that King Solomon was the wisest man to ever walk the earth. And he wrote this book to his sons to kind of share his wisdom, to share his knowledge. So it's full of all these kind of wise sayings. Every, every verse is like a wise saying. Do this. You're better if you do this. Don't do this. And here's what he has to say about financial freedom or financial bondage. He says this in Proverbs 22, verse 7. The borrower is slave to the lender. The borrower is slave to the lender. See, it's a really simple verse. But it's not that easy, is it? It's really not that easy for, for us to apply, for us to kind of think through. As a matter of fact, you may be thinking as, as you heard this verse, like, but isn't that like not at all what I'm supposed to do? I mean, really, isn't, isn't that not supposed to, do, supposed to be how I live? Like, aren't we su- supposed to borrow? We're supposed to have credit and credit cards and, and build our credit score? Like, Jim, this sounds kind of crazy. This sounds kind of weird. And I'd say you're exactly right. It does. Actually, a lot of what you read in the Bible, a lot of what you hear Jesus say, it does sound a little weird. It sounds a little countercultural. But let me present this to you. This is what normal is. Normal is financial stress. Normal is financial debt. Normal is bondage. Normal is not sleeping at night. Normal is worried about how you're going to make ends meet at the end of the week or the end of the month. Normal is, is marriages being ruined and torn apart because you can't agree financially. Normal is not being able to pay your mortgage. Normal is having over $15,000 of credit card debt. Normal is passing on this kind of example to your children. So, so let me present this. Maybe normal's weird. Maybe we need a little bit of weird in our lives because normal to me sounds terrible. And as I've walked it out, I can tell you from, from uh, honesty, like honesty and example, normal sucks. And I don't want that for you. So maybe it's time we try something a little countercultural. Because if this is normal, I don't want it. And my guess is you don't want it either. My guess is you feel, even now, that there's something more than that. That perhaps Jesus' intentions for you were to live a life not of bondage, but of freedom. See, I told you I'd share my personal story, and <clears throat> um, here's how it goes. I grew up in a large family. My dad... Um, we had seven children. I was the second of seven. And you guys know if you're parents, how hard it is to provide for like two or three kids. So you can imagine how hard it was to provide for seven children. My grandfather, before he died, his, or when he died rather, his business went bankrupt. And my dad and his older brother took the shoulder of the debt so my grandmother wouldn't have it. So we grew up with this, this overwhelming debt from a, a bankrupt business that wasn't even my dad's. We grew up with seven kids. So it was hard to, to kind of live and, and, and buy things and get things. So I kind of grew up, and, and I never really needed anything, but I grew up feeling like I needed a whole lot that I never got. And fast forward into college, I, I was your typical college mark. Like some credit card company decided to send me a credit card. And believe it or not, I'm so ashamed to say this now. I was honored. Like a credit card company wants me? Somebody wants to give me a credit card? They want to give me free money? I was like ecstatic. And I, you know, I remember my dad's advice. Don't do it. Don't get, in, don't get into that. It's, it's stupid. Don't waste something. Dad, somebody wants to give me money. So I did whatever every kid did. You know, I filled out the form and I got my credit card. Didn't have a big spending limit. And, and I told myself, I'm sure as many of you do when you get your credit card, it's just for emergencies. And I slip it in my wallet. Well, what's interesting is it, it, like everything kind of became an emergency, right? Like, like I worked and I didn't have dinner, so I needed to eat. That's an emergency. Like you can't go without eating. So eating became an emergency. Then I had a girlfriend at the time and, you know, taking her out on nice dates was kind of an emergency because I wanted to impress her. And, you know, I, I kept buying things I couldn't afford and the bill would come in and I'd make these, these small minimum payments. And, you know, I had a car and it didn't have a CD player. So, of course, 
you need a CD player. So I bought the best one with, you know, the, the flip-down LED screen that lit up the whole car. And I mean, it was, it was beautiful, but, you know, I had to have the best. Then I needed tires, and I had to, I, you know, it's an emergency. I had to buy tires. So just, you know, using the card, using the card. I graduated from college, and I got my first job in ministry. And <clears throat> you may not know this, but ministry doesn't tend to pay very well. Um, and I didn't know this. This wasn't, it, it, like, they didn't have a very good HR department at the church I worked at. They didn't tell me they weren't paying my taxes. So I worked the whole first year, and I go in to file my taxes. And she said, okay, well, you owe 5000 And I kind of laugh, like, I don't have $5. She's like, well, you know, you can file, you know, you can f- file in and, and get on a payment plan. I was like, great, but, like, I'm not paying. I don't, I don't have anything to pay. I, I, I make almost no money. I'm living on credit cards, and this one's almost maxed out. So I, I, I went and I found another one because it gave me a bigger limit. So I've already got one max, and I'm making minimum payments. But believe it or not, the payment's not going down. Somehow it's still going up, and it's frustrating. And I'm in, I'm in all this debt, and now I owe the IRS money. So occasionally I'd borrow money from people, and we'd begin to pay it down. And, but nothing ever changed. My spending habits never changed. The way I live never changed. So the debt just kept mounting and mounting and mounting. And some of you, I can see you like starting to hold your chest because you— you know that feeling, and I was feeling it, and I got married, and my wife, who's like the total opposite of me, worked hard and saved money. She came into the mon- our marriage with money, with a guy who had none and spent all, and spent more than he had, and, and you know, as the story goes, I just, I cleared her money out. We just bought whatever I wanted and the things I thought I needed, and I was going out to eat at nice restaurants and taking people with me because, well, we had money. I didn't realize that money had to go somewhere else, like pay all the debt that I had gotten into for the last five years. <clears throat> and I remember one afternoon, or one evening rather, it's a Friday evening, we're in our apartment, and I'm sitting down watching TV, and my wife, who always does our, our books, and who had countless, countless conversations of her yelling at me, stop going out to eat, stop spending money, I don't know how we're going to do this. She comes down one Friday night, in tears, sobbing, with our checkbook, our bills, <clears throat> and she just looks at me and kind of drops it on the table and says, I don't know how we're going to do this. I said, what do you mean? She's like, I really don't know how we're going to do this. You keep spending there's all these bills. We can't even pay what we have. And you've gone through all our money. I don't know how we're going to do it. And being like the tough guy, I'm like, oh, I got it. Just leave it with me. I'll figure it out. Go to bed. It'll be fine. So she goes up to bed and, and I, I take things and I sit at the table. And for the first time in my life, I begin to sit down and look at my financial picture. And I write down all the debt I have and all the bills I have. And on the other side of the page, I begin to ledger, like, how much am I spending going out to eat? And how much are we spending on entertainment? And we have, like, the best cable package, but we don't even have enough time to watch TV. Like, why are we paying all that? And I begin to write all this down. And I, I got a very, like, horrifying glimpse of my finances. So much so, and you might know that feeling where, like, your stomach begins to drop when you hear bad news. Like, I'm writing this out on a piece of paper, and it's just like, the worst news imaginable. I felt like someone ripped the ground out from underneath me. I didn't get any sleep that night. I stayed up all night researching, looking online. What can I do? How do you get out of this mess? I began to pray and pray with all this prayer. Like, like just let somebody send me some money because I don't know what I'm going to do. Next morning, <clears throat> she got up and I said, we need to go for a walk. So we went and we walked around Husson. We lived right down the street from the college. And I began to paint her a picture of where we're at. And, and as a, a married man, a grown man, began to weep before my wife, I don't know what we're going to do. We may have to file bankruptcy. We, we, we may have to go live with my parents. We, we might have to sell the car. I, I, I honestly don't know what we're going to do. I completely screwed us over, and I'm sorry. I said, the best we can do is, is I, one of my friends who tends to be good at somebody, I could try to talk to him and see what he'll do. I know what it's like to live with that kind of financial pressure. I know what it's like to be normal. And it's not fun. 
the sleepless nights, the pits in your stomach, not being able to ever do anything because you feel that constant pressure and that constant tension, that is not the way we were intended to live. That's not the way we want to live. As a matter of fact, that's not the way your heavenly father designed you to live. But that's how so many of us live. With that kind of pressure, with that kind of weight, and that kind of bondage. Because truly, the borrower is slave to the lender. And then what are most of our reactions? Some, you know, some of them are just like mine. I, I began to pray. And I thought and I hoped I could pray myself out of this mess. But the truth is you can't. But that's how I was treating it. Like, like, God, just let us win it big. Maybe I'll start playing the lottery or maybe somebody will write an anonymous check for 50 grand and we'll pay it off. Hey, even better yet, maybe the creditors will forget that I owe them like thousands of dollars. Just, that would be amazing. Like somehow the IRS just loses that note of all the back taxes I owe. And I thought I could just pray myself out of a mess. You see, sometimes we use prayer like it's a get-out-of-jail-free card. But the truth is, that's not at all what you can do. Sometimes you can't pray yourself out of a mess. You can pray, and don't get me wrong, you can ask God for forgiveness, and he is so quick to forgive you. He immediately forgives your sins. But the repercussions of those mistakes, the results of those bad decisions, they linger. And you still got to deal with them, and you still have to find a way to fix them. So I prayed and I prayed, and it was just repercussion after repercussion of bad decisions. You see, you can't pray your way out, but you can act your way out. And that's what I had to learn to do. Dave Ramsey said this, you need to learn to act your wage. I needed to learn to to live within the means that I have, to learn true contentment, to be happy with what I have and not constantly feeling like I needed more and I needed to keep up with the trends and I I just needed to have what everyone else had. You see, most married couples at the first five to seven years of their life, they, in the first five to seven years, they do everything they can to attain their parents' standard of living that it took their parents 30 to 35 years to get. And they wind up in a world of debt. That was me. You can't pray your way out, but you can act your way out. You can get a little upset about living with that kind of pressure. You can get a little upset that it continues to destroy your marriage. You should be getting a little angry. And I know you're hearing like, like, pastor, people shouldn't be getting angry. Get angry. You should be angry that it's destroying your marriage or your family. You should be angry that you have no sleep. You should be angry that it's causing you health problems. And some of those are serious. You should be angry that it's about to destroy the thing that God loves the most, you. Get a little angry. Get a little upset. Have a little intensity and decide it's going to change today. Today, I change my family tree forever. I'm no longer going to live a normal life. I'm no longer going to live in that kind of bondage. I want to be free financially. When you get that kind of intensity, you get out. You begin to act your way right out of that mess, no matter how hard it takes. And I'm telling you, it's hard. It's not always easy. This isn't an easy verse. It's a hard verse. It's simple, but it's not easy. But some of you need to get a little intense and realize there is a better life waiting for me. I've just got to act my way to it. And when you do, there is freedom. You see, it's hard. And some of you, you you had that feeling I had. You may be sitting in that mess right now. Maybe you even lived through that mess. It's hard, but there's hope and there's help. And that's why we're here because we want to offer you help. We don't want something from you. We want something for you. So this whole message 
is to inspire you to take a step towards financial freedom. You've heard us say over and over again that everyone has a next step. Everyone has a step they can take. I mean, that's the whole name journey. We're all on a journey. We all have a step. Some of your next steps is to take a step into what we're going to offer this summer. It's a small group called Financial Peace University based on these principles that I'm presenting to you this morning that will help you realize God's vision for your finances to get in control, to get a little intense, get a little angry and make a change today. We're going to show you a preview of that and then I'm going to come up and I'll finish my, my little story and we'll wrap the service up. This is Dave Ramsey with Financial Peace. Welcome to Financial Peace University. Financial Peace. These are words that just don't go together in our culture anymore. Too many people are struggling with this subject of money. Too many people are struggling with this subject of money in their relationships, in their marriages. Too many people are struggling with this subject of money in their area of their careers. We just don't know what to do with this whole thing called money. Well, I found out something about money. Money's actually fun if you got some. But boy, I tell you what, it does weave its way into the tapestry of our lives, and it does mess with us on just about every possible level. So we're glad you're here. I can promise you this, we are going to have some fun as we talk about money. We're going to laugh. We're going to cry. I'm going to talk to you about relationships. I'm going to talk to you about your spiritual walk, your emotions, and we're going to change the way we handle our lives around this subject of money as we go through this class together. It's absolutely imperative that you really stay plugged in. Now, some of you have, uh, you, you just didn't want to be here. You were drug here against your will. I know that because I was out in the parking lot and I saw several sets of heel prints on the way in. <laughs> Some of you, Dave Ramsey, the name has become a cuss word in your house. Some of you, one lady I was doing a book signing a while back and she said, you know, I don't even know you and I don't like you. <laughs> and some of you, that's you. I understand. I get that. We are going to have some fun, and if that's you, I'm probably actually more on your team than on the team of that nerd that brought you. I'm a guy that's been there, done that, got the t-shirt. I grew up not rich. How many of you grew up not rich? When I got out of college and graduated from college, my wife and I got married. We were so broke we couldn't pay attention. We didn't know what we were going to do. When we graduated from college, our net worth was a half a box of no-dos. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> And we got married and started off our lives broke. How many of you, when you started off, you started off basically broke? You know what I'm talking about. We ain't got money, honey, but we got love. And it's a good thing, too, because we ain't got no money. Well, that's how we started out. And I started buying and selling real estate, and I got rich, at least by a kid from Antioch, Tennessee standards. I ended up with about $4 million worth of real estate starting from nothing by the time I was 26 years old. However, I had done some dumb things, nothing immoral, nothing illegal or anything like that. I didn't steal from anybody. I didn't lie, from, lie to anybody. I was just stupid. I borrowed too much money. And our largest bank got sold to another bank. And then word got out on the street that Dave was in trouble and another bank got sold to another bank. And they started calling our notes. And we spent the next two and a half years of our life losing everything we owned. We were sued. We were foreclosed on. And finally, with a brand new baby, a toddler, and a marriage hanging on by a thread, we were bankrupt. I was a 28-year-old, young dad, young husband, scared out of my mind. I didn't know what to do. 
I remember standing with that shower so hot in my face that I could just barely stand there, and I would just stand there and cry because I didn't know what to do. I didn't have any steps. No one talked about this stuff much. And then I started slowly discovering that the Bible had some things to say about money. I started reading a man named Larry Burkett, and then I started reading another guy named Ron Blue, met another man named Howard Dayton, and these men had been teaching biblical finance throughout North America, and I started learning from them and started applying those principles in our lives because we were so beat up, we didn't know what to do. And see, I had all these letters and licenses after my name that says I'm supposed to know something about money. I've got a finance degree. And there I sat broke. Apparently, something was wrong with my plan, and I needed a new one. You see, I do everything backwards. Most people meet God at the bottom. I met Him on the way up. I just got to know Him on the way down. <laughs> what we're talking about here is, is that we found the truth. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Everybody stand up for a second. Here's what I want you to do. I want first, understand that I can see all of you and I will mess with you if you don't play my games. <laughs> what I want you to do is I want everyone in here to close your eyes. Thank you. Okay, now, here's what I want you to do. With your eyes closed, even if you don't know the answer, it's okay to be wrong. It's just not okay to not play. You gotta play. So even if you don't know the answer, you gotta guess, I want you to point north. Keep your eyes closed and point north. Now stick with your plan, stick with your, your, your feeling, open your eyes and look around. Someone is lost. According to my compass, north is right through here. Now I won't point him out, but one guy was pointing this way and he did a little cheerleading move. Everybody have a seat. The point is, is that this is the truth. That is north. That is the truth. And we live in a culture today where people think they can make up their own truth. You can't make up your own truth. There's a truth that's independent of you. And your feelings are often not true. Some of you went with your best feeling. You had no idea, and you launched off going south. If you want to go to Canada, this is the direction. You can get there this way, but it's the long way around. <laughs> this is the truth. This is the truth. And to the extent that you are not lined up with your compass, you're what's known as lost. And you're going to bring pain to your life, and you're going to bring shortage to your life, and you're going to bring problems to your life. I know. I've lived that. So. How you feel really doesn't matter. And we have to remember that it's about choices. Personal finance is about 80% behavior. It's only about 20% head knowledge. That's why God chooses to work through money to change and transform us. For some of you, He's going to use this issue of money to heal your marriage. For some of you, He's going to use this issue of money to put discipline in your life in a place and in a way that you never dreamed you would see it. You're going to make different choices after having gone through this. It absolutely works. Financial Peace University began about 20 years ago. I started it with a bad suit and an overhead projector. 
the typical family going through Financial Peace University pays off $5,300 in debt and saves $2,700. That's an $8,000 change in position is the typical person or the typical family going through this. And, and so if you pay a little bit for this course and you go through it and you get $8,000 change, I call that a bargain. I call that a good buy. This whole course is taught by me on video. And afterwards is when the most important thing happens, and that's the small group discussion. Go to the small group discussion. Bring your budget each time and be accountable to the lesson. Make sure you're learning the lesson. Unpack this with other people. It feels a little weird at first, but go in there. The accountability to change your behavior is the key. That's the big deal, and you're definitely going to want to do that. Again, there is no doubt that this process called Financial Peace University works. The only question is whether you're going to be involved. And so if you haven't signed up yet, now is the time. To experience financial freedom, some of you are going to need to apply a plan. And I'm going to give you a quick glimpse of what that plan is. The plan is called live like no one else now so you can live like no one else later. And I know some people look at that and think, that doesn't make any sense to me, Jim. Let, let, let me explain it to you. I want you to live like no one else now. I want you to be willing to make some sacrifices. Be willing to look at your finances. Be willing to get on a budget. Be willing to do what might be considered weird and not normal now. Because normal isn't working. So that later on in your life, you can live like no one else. You won't experience that pressure. When it's time to buy a car, you can go pay cash. When it's time to make fixes on the house, you can do whatever you want because you've saved for it. You can retire and not move in with your kids because you saved and you planned. To get out of bondage, to get out of the place we're in, we can't just pray our way out. We've got to act our way out. And we do that by making a plan and sticking to it. That's what I did. Back to my, my story, to, to tell you the rest of the story, I talked to my friend who was better at money, and he introduced me to financial peace and Dave Ramsey, and I went through the course, and I watched every video I could countless times, and I listened to his podcast, and I did the first thing I've ever done in my life. I sat down, and I made a budget, and I learned to live on a budget. And my wife and I, we made some like serious sacrifices. It wasn't easy. I actually remember a month, no joke, we lived on ramen noodles, hot dogs, and boxed mac and cheese. We made some serious sacrifices, and we began to pay off our debt. And we rolled that debt payment over. We began to pay off other debt and other debt. We paid off our taxes. We were able to buy a house. And within the first year of buying a house, we paid off our car. It works. I'm an example that it works. But you've got to get some seriousness, some intensity, and you've got to decide today to make a change. So here's what I want you to do. <clears throat> if you want to be a part of that class, I want you to take out your smartphone, your smart device. I'm going to give you a website. I want you to go to that website right now, Journey main.com slash FPU. Open your browser. You can open Safari, open Explorer. I don't know what Android uses, but go to, you know, however you get to the internet on an Android phone. Go to journeymain.com slash FPU. Sign up for that class. And our class hosts, Dalton and Teresa Hodgins, who've walked through this before, they're going to contact you, let you know about when the class is, uh, how you can get connected, what curriculum you need. It starts July 23rd. It's a nine-week course. It starts at 6 p.m. You don't want to miss it. If you've ever lived with that kind of pressure or you're living with that kind of pressure now, I encourage you, sign up for this and make today the day that you say, my family history is going to change. My family tree is going to change. I will no longer live in that kind of bondage. Today, I want freedom. You see, we really do want something for you. We're not here to take something from you. We want you to live in that kind of freedom. I've seen what it is to live in that bondage, and I know that sigh of relief and that breath of fresh air you get when you learn to live in freedom. That's what I want for you.
And if you work in the banking industry or the credit industry, this isn't a knock against you. The truth is you didn't force us to buy the things that I chose to buy. That's my behavior and that was my issue. That's your behavior and that's your issue. And it needs to change. We can change the way we live by changing the way we act. And today it can start for you. You see, truly this is a timeless principle because it can change you and it can change your kids and your kids' kids and it can change the people around you when you learn to live according to God's principles of money. In a trendy world, the best things in life truly are timeless. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for uh, the, the truth in your word, God. That just, in, in seven verses, how those seven verses, verses can have, or seven words rather, can have so much truth and impact our lives in so many different ways. I pray for every person here, God, that they would feel inspired to take that next step. If they've lived in that kind of bondage or are currently living with that kind of pressure and that kind of weight, God, I pray that they would sign up and that this would be the start of something brand new for them, that their life, their family tree would forever be changed God, by applying your principles to our money. And I pray, God, for every person here that has experienced this and is maybe on the other side of this, God, has kind of come through. I pray that, that their financial expertise, that their stories, God, would be used to encourage people, to equip people, to inspire them to make a change in their life. I pray that you'd give us the wisdom to do this, God, and the courage to do it, even when it gets hard. In Jesus' name I pray.